Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome back into Nuana is Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Mike Nugent, Chris Fan Podcast, and a good friend of the show, joining me in studio. Second Thursday in a row, our pleasure hosting Mike. If you anything in the first hour of the show, we talked big questions for both Montana and Montana State. We're probably going to get in a couple more of those heading into this offseason uh, here in the second hour. We also uh, had Carolyn Swing by Chick, who doesn't know sports, for her weekly segment and talked a little bit about um, Portland State and the other Big Sky Conference coaches' openings. If you want to find the first hour of the show, you can find it on the podcast. Just type in N-U-A-N-E-Z on any of your podcast hosting platforms. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can also find it at the 1029ESPN.com website. Just click on the podcast tab. Podcast proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. All right, news. before we get into the spring football, I want to continue on what we were just talking about. So, Bruce Barnum is awesome. You're enjoying some Dots pretzels on the break. You can't even stop eating them. You want to eat them during the segment. It's terrible. Those things are so addicting. They are so addicting. But I told the story earlier, but Bruce Barnum, he is a, uh, call him spokesman for Dots pretzels, which are great pretzels. Would probably be, if you're a winner at any of our prizes here at ESPN Missoula, maybe get a bonus box uh, or bag of Dots because I got a whole box of them, (laughs) courtesy of Bruce Barnum, Portland State head coach. But Coach Barnum, uh, certainly one of uh, our favorites around here. He's hilarious. 
Uh, he is very honest, but he also knows how to, to play the hype game while still making it seem sort of authentic. Uh, I think he's a good football coach who's done a lot of good stuff in the Big Sky Conference. But he also sort of, um, he himself, his personality is so likable that I think that it makes the narrative of what Portland State is and what they do on the football field secondary sometimes. And they had a phenomenal year in 2015. He was the national coach of the year. They went to the FCS playoffs for the second time in program history. They went 9-3 and three that year, 9-2 and two during the regular season. They got a playoff seed by in the playoffs. Uh, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, uh, but they still had a, a historic year by Portland State standards. Since then, 3-8, and 0-11, 4-7, 5-7. and seven. So you could say they've gotten better since the 0-11 mark, to be sure. But that said, it's still only, what, count them up, 12 wins since year one. But hardly anybody's talking about that. So do you think that that's part of the tactic? And do you think Portland State's trying to replicate that tactic with the hiring of this crazy-talking new wins basketball coach and Jace Coburn? Maybe, but I don't know that college administrators are that smart. Like, <laughs> I just think that they hired the guy that was available. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, I could see it. Like, I, I mean, what we were just talking about this. Like, I, I think they're a program that should be better than they are consistently. So, you know, maybe they are primed to sneak up on people. They kind of ran a funky offense. For sure. Um, as far as Big Sky Conference basketball goes, or, or defense, I should say. Yeah, a lot of high pressure a stuff, lot, for a lot sure. high pressure. And, uh, you know, I think I think the opportunity is there. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's talk some football. Spring football has been going on on varying levels across the Big Sky Conference in Montana. The Grizzlies played two games; they won them both. The Bobcats aren't playing any games; they're just doing a traditional spring ball. Portland State played the one game against Montana. Northern Colorado is not playing at all. Uh, in Ed McCaffrey's first year, I guess they're doing spring ball, but I've seen zero coverage out of that. No. Even internal social media, nothing, which in itself is interesting. But you also wonder if that's part of the plan. Maybe they don't want any coverage because they want it to all be a secret. But uh, that's here nor there. Um, and then who? And Sacramento State opted out, and then every and then Cal Poly lasted four games, and then they opted out. So that left you with seven teams that completed the spring football season. Two of those teams are going to the FCS playoffs: Weber State and Eastern Washington. We got the uh, the playoff bracket here. So this is a 16-team bracket, which is different than the 24-team bracket that usually highlights the FCS playoffs. A couple of noticeable or notable parts of this bracket. Number one, Weber State went 5-0 in the Big Sky Conference, and uh, they won the Big Sky title, yet they are not seated, and they were on the same side of the bracket as South Dakota State. So Weber State will play Southern Illinois, one of five teams from the Missouri Valley that got into the playoffs, and uh, they'll host Southern Illinois, and then if they win, they will play the winner of top-seeded South Dakota State and Holy Cross. The other notable portions of this bracket are that South Dakota State is the top seed, and North Dakota State does not have a seed. That's because South Dakota State beat North Dakota State on Saturday, thus ending NDSU's streaks of conference championships as well as playoff seedings. They'd had playoff seedings and buys in the playoffs for nine years in a row as well as conference championships nine years in a row. That, those streaks are over for NDSU. It's also noticeable, notable excuse me, because NDSU plays Eastern Washington at home. Excuse me, North, North Dakota State is the one at home. Fargo Dome is where this game is being played. So Eastern Washington has to go on the road and play North Dakota State. The other first-round matchups include Delaware hosting Sacred Heart, Davidson out of the Pioneer Football Conference playing at number fourth seeded Jacksonville State. Number three seeded James Madison hosts VMI. 
Missouri State, a four-loss team out of the Missouri Valley, plays fellow Missouri Valley Football Conference member North Dakota in uh, Grand Forks. The reason that can occur is these two teams didn't play during the regular season. So uh, if you didn't play a conference opponent during the regular season, you can play in the first round of the playoffs according to these spring football rules. Then you have NDSU hosting Eastern Washington, and then finally Monmouth, a team that played in Missoula in 2019. They're the champions of the Big South. They only played three games. They will play at number two, Sam Houston State. Your impressions of this bracket, Mike Nugent? I mean, so my thing with the spring season is that they're doing the best they can with the teams who are playing. And so it's legitimate in that they're, the teams who are playing are playing by the same rules and it's on, on the field, right? Um, I just, like, I don't see how even the fans of these Big Sky teams who are in it can't just be like, it's ridiculous that a Big Sky team that was in the semifinals last year right, and went undefeated this year doesn't get a top four seed? I mean, I just, like, I understand that this is a weird season, but there was no teams playing each other, so there's no way to judge conferences against conferences. So the fact that they didn't give the benefit of the doubt to Weber really, I mean, it kind of drives me nuts, and I'm I'm not even really... Like my team's not in it. My my adopted teams this year were Weber and Eastern. So I mean, <laughs> both of them are in it. But you know, I I don't know. I I think that they did the best they can. I think it's interesting that North Dakota State's not a seed, which they didn't earn it. They lost two games. Sure. Um, Do you think it's ridiculous if five Missouri Valley teams got in, including a four-loss Missouri State team? I absolutely think it's ridiculous that five teams from the Valley got in. I mean, the whole thing. It's just. It's like. Recency bias, and you get a narrative, and Valley's the best, and here we go. And, sure, I mean, they but did anybody else in the Big Sky really have an argument? Because that would have been one of the leagues that would well, sto- steal from it, if right? If Davis hadn't opted out, I think Davis might have snuck in as the third Big Sky team. But even if Davis sneaks in as the third Big Sky team, we just have three unseated Big Sky teams. Like my bigger complaint is that Weber didn't get one of the four seeds. Totally. Um, and it's like, I know there's a bunch of people out there who can challenge that and say, oh, they didn't deserve it. But it's like, how are we basing any of this? Like, nobody played each other outside of conference, and the conferences didn't even all play each other. So it's like all completely like the eye test or what, you know, polls and fans have thought and what the, you know, what the committee thought. And like, some of the people on the committee weren't even the 80s of teams who were in it. Well, I, right. Like, so the big share representative on the committee is Montana Kent, Athletic yeah. AD Kent Haslam. And so that, that's a very polarizing thing within itself because. You know, I think that there's a variety of factors, right? Like on one hand, your the, the school that you work for isn't represented. Does that make you more biased or less biased? I'm not sure. Um, does it make you more inclined to fight for Big Sky teams to get the respect they want and need or not? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think it could go either way. And I, I'm not saying that uh, Haslam was doing either of these things. All I'm saying is that it is just a weird deal having the Big Sky representative be from a school in which the uh, team is not participating in the spring season. What did Bobby Houck think of the spring season? Well, he was asked exactly that following the uh, 48-7 victory over Portland State on Saturday. Here's Coach Houck on what he thinks of the validity of the spring or lack thereof. After going through this, would you like to see these spring games become a thing? Is, is one a good number? Did you like two? What would you like to see? Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would never want to see more than one, certainly. Uh, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. Um, I don't know. I, I'm mixed. I mean, I enjoyed the heck out of it, but like Jason, we haven't played 485 days before last week. It, it's, it's a little different. Um, you know, heck, 
case of coaches, it's just another reason for him to fire your ass. Lose the spring game. <laughs> Two-part statement and four parts. Go ahead. After seeing how well you guys played, would you have liked to play the spring for a chance to win a national title? No. Yes. Okay. Why not? I just don't want them. <laughs> don't see the value in it. How much legitimacy do you think that national champion this spring has? None. We're not in it. None. We're not in it. So here's the thing. He's not lying. I mean, he's not lying. Everybody who's fan, everybody who's a fan of a team who's in it, it's going to be like, oh, Bobby Hack, da, 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 da. And it's like, Montana hasn't been relevant. Da, da, da. I mean, they were in the final eight last year, but, you know, whatever. Um, he's not wrong. And I think that the fans are lying to themselves. And I honestly feel bad if the winner is anybody but North Dakota State. Because if it's North Dakota State, people will just be like, yeah, they won, but they've been winning forever, so right. they were going to win. Right. Right? It's kind of like Weber winning the Big Sky Conference. Like, sure. they've won the last several, so it's like, right. yeah, I have no problem with uh, they won their fifth straight. But if it had been like North Northern Colorado had played the spring and won it, I'd be like, this is a fluke. And I think the other fan bases would too. I think if it's any other team that wins it, that team is going to be like, it may overcome adversity, this was tough, but nobody is ever going to refer to this season and that champion without in the same sentence saying, Sam Houston State was the 2021 national champion, but, right, you know, that season was weird. They only played six games. They right. didn't play their whole conference. They didn't play anybody, you know, and yeah, they're going through a 16-team tournament, so it's like, there is legitimacy in the sense that there are teams that are playing and it's, it is a title of, you know, national importance. So it's like, yes, it is, but I just think the asterisk is going to be there. And and I, I debate these guys on the Big Sky Podcast Network all the time. Uh, all these fans of these teams think that that's a narrative that's just like sour grapes from people who weren't part of it. But I don't buy that. I mean, it's like you tell me a, a, a regular championship season where teams who are eligible for the playoffs opted out rather than going to the playoffs that UC Davis did, opted out when they were still eligible and in good shape for the playoffs like Chattanooga did, decided when their team made the playoffs that they'd just rather enter the transfer portal than do the playoffs like the linemen at North Dakota did. Right. None of that stuff would happen in a regular season. And so for, for people to not acknowledge that there is a yeah but on this, I don't buy it. Monmouth played three games in the Big South. What if they won it? What if they won the whole thing? What if they won the national championship? They upset Sam Houston, and then they don't have to play a seeded team until they maybe play James Madison or something in the championship. What if they did? That would be even more of an anomaly, right? Because then it would be so two-sided, right? I, I just I think that you're right, too. It's such a good point to say that if North Dakota State would have won it or like Weber State did, then all of a sudden it just seems like, oh, well, they would have won it anyways or they've already won these, whatever. But if it was a program like... Uh, Monmouth, that it, you know, it was a transitional FCS program, and they didn't even have eighty-five or excuse me, sixty-three full scholarships. The first time I ever knew that they were a school when they played Montana State in two thousand thirteen, they were still a transitioning FCS program. They've only been Division One for uh, you know maybe a decade or so, but they've only been fully funded now for half of that time, and. And so that would just be, it would be a weird situation. Like if you won your first national championship as a football program, your first Division One cha- title. And it was during this time, it would just be totally weird. I, I have so many mixed feelings for this, but I do think that when it comes to the, the streaks and the stats and the analysis of all of this, it muddies everything. If we were State goes out and wins the conference, 
in the fall as well. Can they say they're two-time conference champions in one year? Do they get to say they've won five straight Big Sky Conference championships? I'm not sure. If North Dakota State goes out and wins the Missouri Valley in the fall, are they going to try to then say, oh, we've won 10 conference championships that were real fall conference championships? Or is their streak of nine conference championships over? I think the way this goes is these count. And it's like if you opted to play in it and you didn't win the conference and then you win it again, like how disingenuous is that going to be? But I guarantee you teams do it. Like talking about playoff streaks and stuff like that, like I guarantee you if North Dakota State has a good season in the fall and gets a bye – the narrative coming out of North Dakota State's media and North Dakota State is going to be, we've had a buy every every regular season for the last X number of years. Right. Right? You know, it's like, that's what I'm saying. I think anybody outside of the winner of this tournament is going to be like, hey, it was a fun experience, but yeah, it doesn't really be relevant. Do it this fall. Show us. Like if Sam Houston wins, show us this fall. And then you come down to the awards, which is so interesting as well. Jay Hill from Weber State named the Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year. No problem. He has been one of the best coaches in the Big Sky. I think you could have argued he could have been and maybe should have been a Big Sky Coach of the Year at least once during this last little while. Because Weber State, I think the people around Missoula and and Montana remember the Ron McBride-Weber State teams of the mid-2000s, which were good teams. But I think the people forget that, first of all, Weber State was never a playoff team, never in their history, until the 08 and 09 teams from Weber made the playoffs. Those are their first two ever FCS playoff appearances. I think people also forget that then when Ron McBride retired, Weber State became an unmitigated disaster for a little while because of some pretty crazy coaching moves. They hired John L. Smith, who was first famous for... uh, leading Idaho during their heyday and then went on to coach at Michigan State and Arkansas and it was a big time FBS coach. Well, John L. Smith comes to Weber and he's there for half a second. Excuse me, he hadn't coached at Arkansas previously. We'll get to that part. He had come with FBS credentials though and he was at Weber State for the blink of an eye. He was there for about five and a half, six months and then the incident with Bobby Petrino and the motorcycle and the mistress happened in uh, at Arkansas, and Bobby Petrino was let go. And then uh, John L. Smith was uh, swiftly hired by the Razorbacks, leaving Weber State high and dry. So then Jody Sears became the interim head coach there at Weber. They tried to go completely outside the box and create this national recruiting uh Footprint basically, they're bringing in guys from all over the country, including like Florida and Georgia and all these places that they had never recruited before. They brought in like 35 plus recruits a couple years in a row, but that was all to say they were terrible. They won two games two years in a row. Jody Sears is fired, then Jay Hill takes over, and they go two and ten in year one, and then he's had them in the playoffs every season since then, I believe. And so he's done a phenomenal job rebuilding that thing. Yeah, this is the best era of Weber State football. Oh, no question. No question. Four consecutive playoff berths, multiple playoff wins. I mean, I think they had won one playoff game ever before Jay Hill got there. And they went to the quarters in 18. They went to the semis in 2019. So, I mean, they've been perennially in the top five. So, I guess what I'm saying is he has been among the best coaches in the Big Sky maybe deserved a coach of the year before that, but he gets it this year. Same thing with Eric Berrier. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league since uh, he's since he took over as a starter at Eastern Washington. He's going to be probably a front-runner, if not win, the Walter Payton Award for this spring season, which they are, by the way, giving away. But how ironic is that going to be when he, you know, he's the seventh Eastern quarterback since 2002 to win the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, if he won the Payton, I guess he would be the 
uh, what, one, two, three, fourth? Fourth, uh, I think. Fourth right. Eastern guy and third quarterback because Cooper Cup was one of them as well. Mm-hmm. But then what happens if he transfers? Or, you know, what happens if he doesn't win it in the fall? Then where where does this fall? You know, is he considered one of those all-time great guys? I mean, he is because he's he's yeah. been prolific. But it's just, it's just so weird the way that all these awards are going to be remembered. I mean, I think that people will look at kind of those ones and kind of say, there was a field, he was the best in the field in the period, okay. You know, like... I don't have a problem with Jay Hill's coach of the year because it passes the smell test. I don't have a problem with Eric Berrier winning the Walter Payton because it passes the smell test, right? Um, the thing that I actually kind of find completely obnoxious is, like, they kept the same number of all-conference teams in the Big Sky. Right. So it's like the Big Sky was cut in half. Right. But there's the same number of all Big Sky selections. So it's like two and four Idaho had how many guys, 12? 12. Get all Big Sky? I mean, that is ridiculous. Like, they should have been like, we're only going to do first team because there's just not enough teams that warrant more. And it's going to be so interesting, too, to see what this does to recruiting because now if you are uh, um, a power, or excuse me, a group of five school or whatever, you're trying to fill some roster spots, I just think that one of the first places you're going to go is, oh, Offensive Player of the Year. This guy could graduate transfer. Oh, Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe we'll go sniffing around, you know? Exactly. I, or those, the, or the media guys that I was talking about or the coaches that don't put much thought into it, just go look at the, the big sky, you know, all big sky teams from this spring season. And all of a sudden, like, guys from Idaho who would absolutely not have earned all Big Sky honors if there were more teams involved are getting votes for all Big Sky preseason over, like, maybe a Montana State guy that actually deserves it. I'll be real interested to see how that works out. I am very interested to see how that works out as well. A lot more to get to, including a bunch of new basketball players coming to the state of Montana to play for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. We'll also continue our spring football conversation about both MSU and Montana on the other side. It's Nuanez now. Mike Nugent joining me here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Keep it right here. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Welcome back into Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana television around the great state of Montana each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. on both of those outlets. Or maybe you want to watch or listen on your mobile device, your iPad, your cell phone, whatever. Go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab, and you will find the stream. Mike Nugent joining me in studio, second straight Thursday. He swung by to hang out with us here on Nuanez now. 
And Awash, it's so funny how football just basically, uh, it overshadows everything no matter what. Even if it's just what people would deem, even the Bobcats, just with a, a, a spring scrimmage, or even what people would deem you know, irrelevant, non-consequential spring games for the Grizz, it still overshadows some of the great marks that have happened from both Montana and Montana State in track and field, or the fact that the Grizz soccer team is going to the NCAA tournament, or the fact that even men's hoops, it's its signing period opened, and there has been some signings. So Montana made it official yesterday, the signing of three players. Scott Blakeney, graduate transfer from the University of Idaho. Jonathan Braggs, who's a hard-nosed combo guard from Bishop Gorman High School in the Las Vegas area, and Lionel Martin Jr., who's a junior college transfer guard from Otero Junior College. You heard there, too, the, the news of the week is Raekwon Battle, his addition to Montana State. Uh, Raekwon Battle is a transfer from the University of Washington. Uh, he's really, originally from Western Washington, right outside Seattle, and he's a guy that played in... Uh, 18 games, excuse me, 18 minutes per game, played every game last year for the Huskies, scored about five points per game. So, um, first of all, Mike, it's an interesting dichotomy because Danny Sprinkle signed, count them up, one, two, three, four, five high school kids during the early period. Alex Germer from Missoula Sentinel being one of them. Uh, Sam Lekalot, who was the Wyoming uh, Gatorade Player of the Year from Sheridan. Patrick McMahon, who's the Alaska Gatorade Player of the Year from Palmer, Alaska. Great Asambor, who is a uh, combo guard, kind of a wing from Spain. And Jasper Rinalda, Rinalda, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's a seven foot three center from Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, a lot of interesting names on that list. A lot of atypical guys. You never see seven three guys come in the big sky. You hardly ever see guys that are scholarship guys from Montana, Wyoming, or Alaska coming to the Division One level. But then probably the biggest splash is this transfer from Washington, whereas Montana signed no one in the early period. And these three in the late period, I think Montana still has, well, I know Montana still has uh, several more scholarships to fill, and we'll see how they go about filling those. Uh, but, but what do you think of just the dichotomy there, the fact that the Cats signed five high school kids in the fall and only one now, and now the Grizz signing three, including just two transfers? I think it kind of shows where both the programs are at. Obviously, this year for Montana was weird, but, you know, coming into it and during that recruiting period they were a pretty established program they thought they had more depth than they do sprinkles rebuilding the cats and i think he's doing it pretty well so it's like i'm not surprised you know to bring in that many um freshmen because if you want to build something right you don't want to rely completely on transfers you know you're, he's building a culture there and it's like you know getting two gatorade state player of the years that's a pretty big deal obviously you know not all states are created equal, and I recognize that. But, I mean, both those guys have some height. There's no reason that a player with those kind of statistics and accolades can't be a good Big Sky Conference player. So, I mean, I, I think he's doing... I think he's doing well. I'm more impressed by those sighties than the Montana ones, perfectly honest. But I think they're different. Um, they're looking to fill different needs. What do you think of the Scott Blakeney signing for, from Idaho? Because he is... It's. I just find it fascinating that it's very clear that the the marriage between Michael Stedman and the Grizz coaching staff was uh, one made in hell, for lack of a better word. <laughs> I mean, it was it was very clear that there was not, they were not on the same page from very early on in the season. That was reflective not only in his playing time, but in their sideline interactions and his body language on the sidelines. And then all of a sudden, he just leaves the team in February. He doesn't even finish the year. And so I'm not saying it's either side's fault. It just seemed like it was a very bad uh, connection. But that said, I just find it interesting that there's a lot of hype around Scott Blakeney. He is a guy that started 78 games in the Big Sky over the last three years. 
8.6 points, 4.2 rebounds are not necessarily eye-popping numbers. They're solid. They're fine. He's an efficient player. But to me, I just, I just find it interesting. I think it's so interesting to analyze this addition because it seems to me that the most important part of the addition will be, does he buy in, mm-hmm. rather than his statistical production? Because they're downgrading in statistical production compared to what they had with Stedman. I mean, I feel like if he's at Idaho, he should have some idea of what to expect at Montana. I mean, he's played against the Grizz enough. He's seen Takir coach. Like, he's got to know some of the guys on some level. Sure. You know, so, I mean, will he buy in? I bet he will. I, I see him more as a rotation player. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that this is a game changer for Montana as to whether or not they're going to compete for the title next year or not. Um, if he can play defense in the scheme that they want him to play, and by what what I mean by that more than anything is if he can stay out of foul trouble, it could be a key addition to their championship hopes only because last year they had nobody that could play you know, the high show and go, like I like to call it, where the big guy has to show on the screen and he's got to rotate back down to the block. Mm-hmm. Fabian Krizlovic was so great at that. They've had multiple guys that have been really good at it. They've also had guys that cannot stay on foul trouble. Mac Anderson has developed into a pretty nice player mm-hmm. in terms of rebounding and protecting the rim and scoring when you need when you need an easy bucket, you can get him a lob. He can't stay out of foul trouble. He's he's a, he's a walking foul machine because of the defense that they play. And Stedman was the same way. He was always in foul trouble too. So I think if Blakeney can add in that element, it could be it, that could be impactful for yep. Montana. And I know that they're not exactly playing the same position necessarily, but I almost see Blakeney and um Mac Anderson as one player. Sure. Like, you know, it's like I I, I think that the they're not going to spend a ton of time both of them on the court at the same time. I think that you know they both maybe get in some foul trouble, so it's kind of like, hey, we've got a combo platoon that can cover this for us. But totally, and, and I think that filling out the roster with guys that that uh, can endure and accept the coaching style is going to be the key factor for the Grizz because I think that Travis DeCure is pretty unwavering in the way that he coaches his teams. If he has guys that personality-wise and and intangible-wise like that, they can become all-time great players within the scope of the program because that happened with Ahmad Rory and Michael Ogine and Syed Pritchard. All those guys are, statistically speaking, and just in terms of postseason accolades and the wins that they had at Montana, they're all among the great players in the history of the program because they loved the style of coaching. Mm -hmm. I think that this team last year, I think the biggest problem that they had was there was a lot of guys that maybe didn't. It's not It's not a lack of buy-in. I think it's just a lack of, I don't even know how to say it, acceptance maybe? I don't know. But I, I just felt like there wasn't necessarily a meshing between the players and their styles and, and their and their fortitudes compared to the way that the coaching staff wanted to coach them. So you wonder if that's then maybe a, a bigger deal with these other guys, Jonathan Braggs and Lonel Martin Jr., I also wonder this. I think that not being able to bring kids to campus, not being able to have the coach to cure, he is very deliberate and very um, thorough in his recruiting. He goes and sees guys a lot. Like if he, if you're on his radar and they have gotten to the point where they offer you, then he's going to go see a play during the the your high school season, your club season, all that. I mean, they're going to recruit you junior year, senior year. A lot of in person contact, both. Coaches going to see the kids and also bringing the kids to campus. None of that's been able to happen. And so I think, that, I mean, that's part of the why Montana didn't um, sign anybody during the fall because they were like, well, we're going to see if, if some of this stuff loosens up, if maybe we can bring guys to campus for games. That never was able to happen, so then you have to go out and fill some spots. But you have to also wonder if maybe the meshing of guys is just is just simply because they're just not being able to recruit in the fashion that they've recruited in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think it matters. You and I talked about this. Like, there was a there was a 
a round ball club where they were talking to one of the freshmen and you know the the, the guys the supporters in that club which I wasn't in that meeting um, get to ask you know questions and someone's like what's your favorite part about Missoula and the, the poor kid was like I don't know yeah we haven't gotten to do anything we we right you can't go out we really can't engage with each other outside of practice right I mean obviously a little bit but. You know, so I think you're right, and it's, I, I mean, it's, I saw I saw a couple of Grizz basketball players at Market on Front getting some coffee before the football game, and that was the first time I'd ever seen them in public. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously easy to see them because they're all like six ten, you know, like Josh <laughs> Bannon's pretty easy to see, six foot nine. But um, yeah, it's first time I'd ever seen them in public. I was like, "What's up, guys?" They're like, "Dude, it's so good to see you." Like, not on Zoom. I was like, "Yeah, it's so good to see you, not on Zoom." I've never actually seen you in real life before, besides from the third story of the Adams <laughs> Center in my little corner. It's so weird. Yep. So it's like I, I definitely I buy that, and I think that's something that a lot of programs across the country have faced, but not every program relies on getting people to campus and selling it like Montana does. Well, because if you're going to recruit a bunch of out-of-state kids, how many kids from Southern California or Las Vegas have ever, they don't even know nothing yeah, about Montana. Zoom is going to do nothing for... Uh, yeah, you're walking around and you see the trees and stuff. Yeah. Congratulations. You're not going to, you, you don't get to like go out, ta- go get a Mo Burger and stuff like that. You don't, if, unless you could come here, you don't yeah, know how cool it is. Yeah, you're not walking down, downtown with a coach and realize that everybody knows he's a coach. And everybody I mean, knows you're a recruit. Yeah. Welcome to town. Go exactly. Grizz. Like, you don't, yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And Montana State's been doing the same, having some of those similar challenges. The thing about this recruiting class for MSU, though, too, is you think about Germer, uh, Lekalot and McMahon, the three guys from the rural states, I believe they all play on the same club team too. So oh, those guys, those guys are likely have been in this region. So they've been around each other. So they're, that makes them comfortable. They've probably been, you know, in the neck of the woods of Bozeman before. So that makes me wonder if all three of them are actually legitimate big side conference level players, mm. or if it was kind of like a, hey, if I recruit them all, maybe they'll stay together because I really want this him. one. Right. It'll be interesting to watch that develop. That is interesting. It, it, it's. Bradley, it seems like uh, we've seen this a couple times with some of these club teams, like the uh, the Spokane Sandpipers, which is a great club team out of Spokane. Uh, they were coached by John Stockton for a while when John Stockton's daughters were playing for the Sandpipers. Mm-hmm. But they also featured several girls uh, from the surrounding region, including Alexa Dawkins, who was from Bozeman, Peyton Ferris, who was from Twin Bridges, Jasmine Hamas, who was from uh, Linden, which is in, in northwestern Washington, and. Don't you know, all those girls then went to Montana State. Then the younger group of girls from the Sandpipers, Delaney Junkermeyer and Hannah Cottle, they also went to Montana State. And uh, they, they, I group won Big Sky Championship, so that went, that went really well. You look at Northern Colorado men right now, Bodie Hume, Dalen Kuntz, and Matt Johnson for sure, and maybe one other guy on their roster, but at least those three for sure all played club ball together. And uh, that has not, I mean, they, they've been okay, fine, competitive, but it has not yielded any sort of Big Sky Championship. So there is multiple uh, different ways this can go. The Raekwon Battle guy from from uh, University of Washington, that's an intriguing one for me for a couple of reasons. First of all, we, we've seen Mo- Montana have sort of a lock on the Seattle-Tacoma area in recruiting when it comes to big sky schools outside of eastern Washington. So Danny Sprinkle going and getting a guy who's from western Washington uh, as well as uh, from the University of Washington. It's an interesting one. I believe Sprinkle probably knew this guy in the past, um, 
But I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, it seems like a former four-star recruit could make a splash. But then also, uh, like my brother always said, uh, you don't transfer because you're good and perfect. There's always something. There's always an exterior factor. So you just you wonder what's going on there. But I mean, what do you think of this Washington kid that Dave Sprinkle's bringing in? I'm I'm intrigued by him. You know, it's like I mean, obviously he he wasn't a star at Washington, but same note, doesn't he have like three years of eligibility left? Mm-hmm, he does because this year was a non-year. So. You know, that could be a piece that they could build around. I mean, it's like some of these great Grizz teams in the last, you know, five to seven years with Coach DeKeer were built around a good young transfer that they got, you know? So, I mean, I think that's his best recruit by far. Montana State does graduate Devin Kirby as well as Abdul Muhammad. Muhammad was initially thinking of coming back, but then he's since entered into the NCAA transfer portal. Xavier Bishop is going to use his... Uh, his zero year and return for a sixth year of college basketball. So he will be at Montana State, as will Amin Adamu. Adamu was uh, a senior this year as well, but he will then take that year and return. So um, bringing in this many guys with just those guys moving on, they have had a lot of other turnover. Mike uh, Hood leaving the program, Jesse Owens leaving the program, Finn Flute leaving the program. So they had uh, several guys that entered the transfer portal as well. So, um, Fortifying the roster, at least. I'm just wondering where Montana's going to go from here, too, because they do have several other spots open. Yeah, I mean, spots Mont- open. Montana this summer is going to be an interesting thing to watch because they, they got to fill that roster. And part of me thinks that th- there's no better year to have a bunch of spots open on your roster. As much as DeKeer and even our friend Riley have gone out and talked about how they don't like the transfer portal. Sure. I mean, I think it might play to the Grizz advantage this year. Well, here's the thing. I have ranted and raved about the transfer portal and all the different factors that go into it. Because on one hand, I think that giving kids some flexibility, especially when the world of college basketball has turned into such a, a just rotating door of coaches leaving, coming and going, all of this stuff. Um, you know, like a guy like Kim Aiken, for example, from Eastern Washington. His, the coach he came to play for at Eastern leaves. So then he decides to leave, and then he goes to Arizona, and then that coach gets fired. So then he decides to go to Washington State. That's not a cultural issue. The kid's just trying to figure out a place where he wants to go play because two different coaches yeah. left him high and dry. So it's hard to blame the kids in that scenario. But then on the other hand, it would be really frustrating if you're trying to build a program when guys are just constantly leaving. But I, I just think that you know I think you got to take the I think you got to take the approach of it doesn't matter what you think of the situation. It doesn't matter. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like yeah, if this it, is what if this is what it is. If, if the big sky is going to have forty guys hit the portal every offseason, and that just is what it is, you got to be ready to go. You have to be ready to sign six or seven guys every single year. Yeah, it's like campaign finance reform. You may want it, but right <laughs> now you got to play by the rules that are out there. <laughs> I gotta love it. You want us now? One hundred two ninety ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana TV. Mike Nugent sitting in the chair with me, Coulter Nuanez. We talk a little bit more spring football for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. Right after this, keep it right here. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Follow European soccer at all? A little bit. I mean, not enough to really understand what was going on this week, except that I think the interesting United States based comparison is you hear sometimes the Power Five schools talk mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. like they deserve the money in March Madness. Yep. You know? And it's like if they ever tried to pull off, like it would never work. See, I think it would work easily and flawlessly and i think that all of the fans of the small schools would just be left out to dry no i don't i don't think flawless is flawless yeah. is wrong no that's you're, not, you're gonna right. lose the must-see tv it's gonna become it won't become regional it'll obviously still be a national thing but you would lose the oh i'm looking forward to the upset of da, 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 da. it's like you're not gonna you're not gonna tune in to watch this number seven setc team take on the, i mean i just it's, it won't be the same but the conference the people that are affiliated with those conferences which make up a vast majority of college sports fans would i don't i don't think it'd be the same i don't think it would be the I same either but i but i think that's the part that's so scary to me about all of the changes that could happen in sports is that the fact of the matter is the rich are so much richer than everybody else that you can completely cut out the poor, so to speak, and it doesn't really impact your bottom line. And even if you do make millions of people that want the underdogs mad, you still have all the ravenous fans from all those big conferences. I don't know. That's what's so interesting about this European Premier League thing is is if these teams really do break off and then they don't have to play the, the have-nots in the league and all they do is have powerhouse matchups in the name of money, it's just a very interesting thing. I'd be a mistake. Be a mistake. Montana State has their spring football game on Saturday. Montana wrapped up spring football on Saturday, this last Saturday, against Portland State with a 48-7 to win. Um, one more thought on uh, MSU before we get into Montana. I, I do think I'm going to be watching intently this weekend. A whole bunch of their best players are not going to be playing. So double-edged sword there will be interesting to see a lot of guys that I haven't seen hardly any of or at, at all. Um, but I'm just so interested to see all the ways that they're going to go about it. And I'm also so interested to see my number one concern is not the actual scheme change, but the guys that are implementing the scheme change. They have new coordinators, Taylor House right on offense, Freddie Banks on defense. Neither one of these guys are even as old as I am, I don't think, and or as we are. Um, but it's not necessarily the age that I'm worried about. It's the fact that neither one has been a Division One play caller before. And I think that that is uh, quite tenuous at best. Yeah, growing pains of a new of a new coaching staff, first-time head coach. You're going to get first-time coordinators. I mean, 
Yeah. I, I watched Kane Ione and Ty Gregorak, two of the great position coaches in the league. Kane Ione at Montana State, Ty Gregorak at Montana. Both had 10-plus years of experience at the Big Sky Conference. The first time that they were defensive coordinators, it was a to, to say it was a work in progress would be would put it be putting it lightly. Yeah, a great comparison is Jonathan Smith, sure. head coach at Oregon State right now. Right, he was the offensive coordinator for Flugrad. Very rocky. Two thousand first season was very rocky because they were changing offensive systems. Yep. It was his first time calling plays, then Flugrad called plays. I mean, I just think it's an interesting example. Okay, about 90 seconds. I know you want to get one last take in on Grizz quarterbacks. No, I, I, not a take so much. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, two stat lines for you. 383 completions, 580 attempts, 66%. Okay. okay. Um, 5,000 yards. Okay. Or 341 of 505. 67.5%. Okay. 4,000 yards. Okay. How many touchdowns and picks? Well, I mean, the the first one's 50 touchdowns, 12 picks. The okay. second one's 26 touchdowns, 5 picks. <clears throat> one's 8.89 yards per attempt, one's 7.65. Which one are you taking? I mean, it's tough not to take the guy who threw for more yards and touchdowns, uh, especially if the completion percentage is pretty darn close. All right. So let's say you didn't know that that guy could get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.